0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're talking about uh, returning to God and we started a couple of, almost more than a month ago, almost two months ago by um, discovering the grace of God in our weakness. Not in our sin, in our weakness, God's enablement. And, um, and there's a couple of scriptures that we looked at and we saw that, you know, God's, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. We are in a town that is so full of pride. We grow up to be independent. And when you're independent, then you are going to fall into pride because it's sort of almost like you begin to live a life of entitlement. You work hard and you earn hard and You know, sometimes you come into the town and the first thing people ask you is what, you know, what what did you study? What are you going to study? As if that's your identity. Those things are important, but it means nothing in the presence of God. Amen. It's only the righteousness of Jesus that makes us righteous to stand before him. And so we looked at the book of Philippians, and we're still busy with that. and, uh, And this profound chapter as Paul is sitting in prison and ephroditus brought him a gift from the church in philippi they under a roman a roman colony paul is in prison he's chained and so so it's not looking good for him and then he's then he writes this philippians chapter 2 where he says hey that um, jesus made himself of no reputation he became humble he uh, served us to the point of death was obedient to the point of death and therefore god will highly exalt him and give, has given him the name above every other name, by which every man shall be saved. And everyone shall bow their knee one day to that name, because he earned that right and that place because of his humility, because of making himself of no reputation. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, having all worship and saying, hey, I'm going to bow down to their level to serve them. What an amazing king. If you've not seen that king, I think tonight you're going to meet him. Because he's here. And so Paul writes in Second Corinthians 12, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul is pleading with Christ, and he's asking, he's saying like, please take away the thorn in my flesh. And the Lord says, no, I'm not going to do that, because you're going to discover something through the tough times in your life. Through the weakness in your life. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take, take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, the church in the Middle East, don't pray for happiness. The church in the West, we want one church all across the world. Say, so, Lord, make me happy. Lord, give me a new car. Bless me with this. Oh, Lord, I want that chick. You know, I, I want some... I want, I want, you know, I want somebody like Marco Labuskagni, you know, he is like the ultimate catch, you know, blonde, blue eyes, plays for the bulls, and he's here this weekend, and I had to put him on the spot, but in any case, w- welcome, Marco, but in any case, so, you know, but it's amazing how many times we pray these prayers, you know, it's a Lord, if I can just have that, then I'm going to be happy, and then I'm going to serve you. But most of the church in the world doesn't pray like that. They say, Lord, rather increase the persecution so that we can know you more. Rather, Lord, do a work in us so that we can become vessels of honor and gold and silver before you. Because we are here to serve you. We're here to worship you. And so we started to look at the fruit of humility. And the first one is to be nothing before God. In Galatians 6 verse 3, the bottom For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. John 15, verse 4 to 5. We're just catching up, so we're going to pick up some speed. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It means it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, if you say it in Chinese, nothing, okay? absolutely nothing, okay? So, before God, that doesn't mean we need to go out into the world and say, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, and sing nothing songs. I'm a worm, I'm a worm, you know? It's a place, it's a position before God. Lord, I'm nothing so that you can be everything. It's an attitude of worship. It's a, so, uh, so I said it, only God can tell you whether you're humble or not. Man cannot say Because it's when you enter that place boldly by the blood of Jesus. And you say, it's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. It's my position to boldly, confidently stand before him based on what Christ has done. To be nothing before God. The second thing we saw is to serve. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Matthew 10 verse 27. The third thing we said is, you're going to keep on growing. You're going to be teachable. How many of you have had this thing on your car? There's some nervous loss because some people still have it on their car. (laughs) Years later. Some people dread this thing. What's the first thing when you do when you see a car in front of you that's got a big sticker like this? Take the gap around the stop street, you know, take it around the car. Lose your patience, get agitated, you know. (laughs) But it's one thing all of us get to, is to have this learned driver's thing on your car. For some people, it's the biggest nightmare of their lives. But we all have to pass that, learn, you know. I, I, I must confess, I still don't know. Blind spot... Mirror, uh, you know. By the time I look into the road, my neck is half broken. You know, I don't know how, but but it's crazy. But I wish I can give every every Christian a little sign like this: I'm a learner. I'm going somewhere. Never going to stop. But something, and that's what pride does. That's what happens in our hearts: is we think that I've arrived. I've graduated from serving God. I've graduated from worshiping God. I was in a moment like that in northern Zambia a couple of years ago. And um, I remember standing, and and I love the church in Africa, especially middle Africa, northern Africa, because your service is seven hours long. So by the time you're tired, it's already four hours, and then they still continue. Then the, the afternoon stretch starts, you know. I remember we were like three and a half hours, and the sound is like, oh, it's tense. It was loud. And I was standing in front, and I was like, we sing the same song over and over and over and over. And um, then you want to get bored a little bit, but then you realize like, no, the angels are singing holy, holy, holy for a couple of million years. So how can they get bored? They don't get bored when they see God. So, So I was standing there, but then I was like really tired. And I remember this one moment that changed my life in worship when a guy who had no legs... Came crawling down the aisle in this red dust of northern Zambia. And he was like just fly, falling face flat on his face there in front of God and just worshiping him. And then we, we sang this old song. He turned my morning into dancing again. And this guy started to turn around without legs. And I've never looked at that song the same again. Because I realized, like, Lord, I've got legs, I've got a mouth, I'm not going to let any stone out there out to worship me. <laughs> I'm not going to be silent, because it's a privilege to worship God. It's a privilege to serve Him. It's a privilege to serve His people. And we looked at Paul's life, and how Paul progressed from... Being the least of the apostles to the least of all the saints. Eventually in 1st Timothy he says he's the least of all the sinners. The sinners, all the sinners of whom I'm chief. He wrote that letter right at the end of his life. He says I'm not just the least of the apostles. And as he progressed, as he grew with God, he became more humble. <laughs> because the more you're going to grow, the more you're going to see who God is, the more you're going to know how little you know him. Now, now let's just be honest. Let, let's just cut it straight. We haven't even been out of our first galaxy. Have you thought about that? And we, as the human race, want to tell other people that there is no God and that God doesn't exist. We're so tiny and so small, we can't even see past our first galaxy. And now we want to be full of pride and say, God, there's no God. We're quite tiny. Have you you noticed that? We've not even been under the sea. Our own sea. See, see. Swim, swim. Sharky, sharky. That thing. Okay? We've not even discovered what's under there. And now we want to make profound statements to say there is no God. It's like saying there's no gold in the earth. It means you have all knowledge, you've seen everyone's teeth. You've seen everyone's vanity cases. You've seen right through what Opa buried under the bed because they always believed bury the gold, you know. But it's very arrogant to say there is no God. Sure. But when we're teachable, when we're humble, we start to grow. And and this beautiful relationship with God starts to manifest in our lives, and we begin. To see his glory. And then we looked at the life of obedience. He humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself to the point of obedience. He became obedient to the point of death. Philippians 2 verse 8. Then lastly we saw to be occupied with God. If you've missed out the past couple of weeks, go and listen to all the sermons. Hallelujah. This will change your life. I'm not going to go into all of that. And we stopped at number six. To be exalted by God. Because there's a place where God begins to exalt you. There's a place where God begins to lift up those who are humble. Those who think, like, I'm not worthy. <laughs> it's, uh, the Lord, Lord, rather pick that guy. You know, rather do that one. Rather, those are the people God use. Isn't that the fishermen that he chose? Isn't that the people that he handpicked? The people that thought, like, hey, I'm not worthy. <laughs> and so when God speaks a word over you, when God begins to release what he says, then hey, say, yes, Lord, I'm not going to disagree. Because false humility is when you start to disagree with what God says over your life. When you start to fall into self-pity and blame and you begin to say, no, 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 not me. Because, hey, that pastor, he's much more spiritual. He drinks tea with the angels quarter past 11 every Friday morning and Wednesday and Monday and Tuesday. Now, I drink tea often with the angel. It's called my wife Louise, okay, but not with other angels, but in any case, so. I just scored some points there, but in any case, Luke 4, verse 11, God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall exalt you. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And now we get to tonight's sermon. I mean, are you all ready to go? (laughs) Okay, so we're going to talk about the life of Peter, and we're going to look at his life of how he progressed, because in all of us, there's a part of Peter, especially through our culture. Any Peters here? Is your name Peter? Hello, Peter. Welcome to the club. Okay? So there's this guy called Simon, and Jesus called him Peter. And it's profound. I, I just love Scripture because Scripture doesn't hide people's issues. We try to become masters at hiding our issues, especially when it comes to the church. We're like, "Hey, how's it going, brother? Blessed. How's it going, sister? Wonderful. You know, Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Yeah. And I think, like, okay, you're going to get that later. But anyway, so you know, we have this lingo, and then you can see on somebody's face they had a terrible week. Just say, "Hey, it really went terrible, but God is still on His throne. God is still faithful." Because he is, and so God called Peter. Jesus walked up and he said, "In Luke five, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." It was at a moment when they try to catch fish; they didn't catch fish. Jesus says, "Catch fish!" on they throw the net on the other side, and there's a heap of fish. And then they get to the shore; they pull out that fish, and then this profound moment where Peter falls on his face, and he says, "Lord," first one who calls Jesus Lord in the New Testament. Lord, depart from me because I am a sinful man. A true moment of repentance. Now, fishermen knew how to fix stuff. They knew how to control, read the sea, do stuff. They were really in charge of their lives. And yet they caught no fish. And then Jesus walks into that area where they think they're strong. And he says, I want to show you who's Lord of your life. And so Peter discovers not just his sin, but. His complete weakness, because he realizes like, wow, I I can't do it in my own strength. We've been trying to catch fish all night. We tried every trick in the book. There's some of you that's trying too hard to impress God. And he's asking you to surrender. He says, come, follow me, and I will make you. Peter says, well, depart from me. I am really a sinful man. I'm not even worthy to come. And then we see this process of this man called Peter, this loud mouth. This independent one that wants to like do it, you know, fix my life, prove something to the world and especially to the other Christians of how great I am. But sorry, there's only one great I am. Then we see this like process of this discipleship, Peter becoming a disciple and he's rough around the edges. I love people that are rough around the edges in the kingdom of God. Because, hey, it's just, there's more grace for you. Anyone that can say, hey, that's me, that's me. Okay, don't put your hand up too quickly. Okay, but in the case. So in Matthew 14, we see Peter walk on water. He says, when you call me, when you speak your word, I'm going to. And there he gets out of the boat and he sinks. All the other disciples are still in the boat. So they couldn't take the Instagram photos. He was there. He said, like, hey, here I am, you know. I'm out on the water. And then He sank. He never had just little faith. He just went. He took risks. But then there's a profound moment in Matthew 16 where there's been a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. And then Jesus walks up to him and he says, um, and all the disciples are there. And he says, like, who do the people say that I am? And then Peter says, well, uh, some say Elijah. Some say the prophets. Some say John the Baptist has returned. There's a lot of opinion of you. And then Jesus walks right and looks at him and he says, now, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the anointed one of God. You're the son of the living God, not of a dead God. You're a son of the living God. Now, remember, even Jesus' own brother didn't believe that. Only after his resurrection did his own brother, his natural brother, believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And that he, was, that he was the son of God. But Peter is this first one that says, wow, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus turns around and says to him, well, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, Simon. So he, he talks to that Simon in Peter. Because this, you can see this conflict between the Simon and the Peter all the time. Simon. Flesh and blood, people have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And on this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound, and whatever you loose shall be loosed. You're going to know a revelation knowledge if you walk in this road of humility, if you start to ask Him, but it's not because you've read through the Bible 300 times or you tried more, it's because you've surrendered. And now Peter thinks like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then comes the Mount of Transfiguration. Whoa. What a moment. Jesus takes them up. The three of them, they're there. The Father only spoke. The first time the Father, God the Father spoke audibly was at the baptism of Jesus. The second time was on the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus transfigures. He begins to glow. He begins to like shine. And everybody goes like, whoa. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appears right there on the mountain, (laughs) you know, and the disciples go like, whoa, they first think they're going to die, and then the father speaks and says, this is my beloved son, hear him, Uh, he's got a message, he's got a purpose, he's got a calling, the first time the father affirmed Jesus directly and says, you are my son, I love you, I'm pleased with you, God says that over each one of us, but then there's a time in your life when you start to walk on this road where God says, I've called you to become someone, I've called you to do something, I've called you to live in a space. that's what he did right there over Jesus. But then we see this this massive moment. So it's a huge moment on the Mount of Transfiguration. Not all the disciples could handle it. So Jesus just took the inner circle there. And the first thing that happens after that, right on the mountain, is Peter says, Okay, what are we going to do? Let's build an altar here. And you think like, oh, Peter, (laughs) you go again, you know. You want to do something, or rather just fall on your face and surrender and just enjoy the moment, but you want to, like, let, let's do something, let's, let's build something, let's, let's get something going here, you know, let's, let's um, because, you know, Peter didn't like awkward moments, it was just like that, you know, have you been on Zoom lately, and there's this awkward moment, and everybody stares at each other, and you go like, <laughs> you know, and then the guy organizing the Zoom, just like his internet goes, and you think like, Okay, now I have to sit up with these people, you know? And I think like, (laughs) have you ever been at awkward moments lately? You know, you think like, oh, okay, earth, swallow us up. But in any case, so, and I can just see how God just (laughs) actually enjoys Peter because he was really a disciple that God loved. The Bible says it a couple of times, even after the resurrection, when the ladies run and um, there's been an appearance of the resurrection, then the first thing they say is like, Go tell the disciples and Peter. Because God had a special place for the Peter. God loves that Peter. But there's something of that Peter that must die. It's called the Simon in that Peter. And so if you forget everything else, here we get to what I want to share. The crux. Luke chapter 22. The low light. The ship sinking, crushing down. Coming down. The Lord said. Simon Simon. It's not St. Peter. It's not talking about this great guy. That's walking in the revelation. It's that moment where. There's a turning and a challenge. And he says Simon Simon. Indeed Satan has asked for you. That he may sift you. As wheat. Satan came to the door. And he knocked. He said Jesus. I want to sift him. And that is a place where so little Christians, so few Christians want to go. But it's busy happening all across the world. And especially with the Christians in the West. There's a sifting. Some people call it a pruning. Where all the extra emotional smoke screens are taken away. But don't worry, Simon. Simon. Because I have prayed for you, and I've prayed one thing specifically for you, that your faith should not fail, that your faith shall not be shipwrecked, that you won't lose your faith in this time. And when you have returned to me, Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, that this temptation will go away, and this challenge will be removed from you, that you won't be sifted, and I'm going to just say, get behind me, Satan. Satan. He says, now I've prayed for you. And do you know what? You're going to walk away from me, Peter. And when you have returned, I have one mission for you. Strengthen your brethren. And here comes the Simon again. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to die. Then he said, I'll tell you, Peter. That's what Jesus said. The roosters shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. And then we know the story. Peter enters into this place where Satan shifts everything and Peter falls short. Peter denies Jesus three times in front of the people there. Eventually, Peter is so full of shame that he runs away. (laughs) And I can just imagine those next couple of days Jesus gets crucified. Jesus risen from the dead. What went through the heart of Peter? What were the struggles? Because he has been three years of ministry. He has been three years of like uh, with Jesus and now the biggest flop in history. The big Peter. All that came out was Simon. But don't worry, Simon. I've prayed for you. I wish we could spend three hours tonight on Jesus as our intercessor. It's called the mediator of the new covenant, the advocate with the Father. The role of Jesus in heaven today is the great intercessor. Sometimes we pray these vain prayers, a lot of prayers, trying to, sh- to move people's arms. And You should just start sometimes and say, okay, Lord, what are you praying over the church right now? Are you praying for the new Porsche? Are you praying for the new happiness, the new breakthrough? What are you praying for the church right now? What are you praying over me right now? Jesus is praying that that Peter will stand up. Jesus is praying that the Simon will die. Woo! No, pastor, the prosperity gospel doesn't say that. God really wants to give me a BMW, you know? God is really here to make me happy. God will allow sifting in your life, sir. Lady... I come from a wheat farm and you have these big combined harvesters and what they do is they like stamp the wheat so that the chaff falls out and the heavier wheat falls down and there's a separation. That all the junk gets removed so that the pure seed remains. But it's quite a process. Anyone from a wheat farm here? In the old days, they used to like, have these sifts and then they would stamp it. Same like with the wine press. That's why Gethsemane is called the wine press. It's where you press the olives and you press the wine so that only the juice comes out and all the other stuff is separated. Ooh. I don't like this gospel, but it's true. And then we see this beautiful picture the story of Peter. You can go to the next slide. Because there's this one moment now, Peter has denied Jesus, he runs away, in John chapter 21, after all of this, and it's not just the denying of the three times, but what begins to happen is, Peter, my vrenti what is that in English, my ranti war, you know, <laughs> my vrenti truce, you know, vrenti windy truce, you know, I don't know what vrenti is in English, but vrenti is a good Afrikaans word, but what is vrenti Really, you know, really, really, this is now my really, okay? So, Peter goes back and now in scripture he says, let's go back fishing. You can go read it in John 21. (laughs) We don't have time to read through all the scriptures, but go read it. He says, let's go back fishing. Let's, this Jesus thing doesn't work for me anymore anymore. Whoops, goes back fishing. Yeah, they're on the boat. All the other disciples, they're following. Yeah, it's not like they were the heroes. It was only the ladies that remained with the cross and with Jesus, okay? So, ladies, stick close to Jesus, okay? Amen. I can we get a whoop-whoop for the ladies? Yes, yes. Come on, men. You can do better than that. Whoop-whoop. Not like the ladies, like, whoop-whoop, okay? Go like a okay, guy. But in any case, so. But so they run back fishing. They, they're on the shore. They're just, like, losing it. Or they on the boats. And yeah, Jesus is standing on the shore, and he's busy barbecuing fish. Praise the Lord. It's a sign. No broccoli. No c- cucumber. And somebody get, get an amen. for The crew? meat people. Okay? So Jesus says, bring some of that fish. And now they're beginning to, you know. So Jesus is just very patiently waiting. And it's just one of those moments that scripture, almost like just after they, they caught fish. Because Jesus says, cast the net again. So he starts right at the beginning again. He says, cast the net again. And they catch The same, like right at the beginning, right three years ago, right at the beginning of the calling. Cast the net, oh, all these fish again. And then Peter realizes, it's Jesus. (laughs) It's him. And he runs out. Now there's this moment on the shore. Jesus comes and says, let's talk about that rooster. Nando's KFC or Hungry Lion." Let's talk about all the shame. Let's settle this issue. Now Jesus asked him a very specific question. He says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? He uses a word there, agape love. And Peter stands there and he's got this moment. And now he has to decide, is he going to let that Simon conquer again? Or is he going to start to walk? And then what he begins to do is he answers. He says, no, Lord. You know that I love you, but the word that he uses as love is a friendship love, it's a relational love. He says, God, I I don't have the capacity to love you like you love me. And then Jesus says, Feed my sheep. Encourage. Build up. He says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you Agape love me? And he says, No, Lord, I don't. I, I just cannot. I don't have the capacity. Jesus says, then my lambs, love my people. Three times. Doesn't talk about the denial. Doesn't put shame on Jesus. He just says, Peter, now that you've discovered in your own strength you can't do it, I'm releasing your real mandate to you. That's to love my people. To take care of them. And we know what happened after that. The Holy Spirit came. Peter became the head of the church with James. John and some of these guys. And then they form a little clique there. They think the gospel is only for the Jews in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10, Peter gets the open vision. And the Lord says, go to Cornelius' house. He's a Gentile. He's not supposed to get saved. He's not supposed to. But, but, you know, and then we see this massive thing coming down with all the animals. And the Lord says, don't eat what I've called, you know, eat what I've called. Holy, so you can eat it. He says, no, Lord, it's not like all these animals. We can't eat that stuff according to the Jewish tradition. And God says, hey, go to Cornelius' house. And Peter, out of his brokenness, steps over a line that nobody was willing to go. He was the first guy that preached a sermon in Acts as well. <laughs> but yeah, the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Cornelius' house been waiting on God get saved and from there Philip and these evangelists and the guys and the gospel begins to spread there's a separation of those who were serving tables and all stuff and and the Holy Spirit just begins to move with that but he moves with something in that has happened in Peter's life no Lord I can't do it no Lord it's not my strength I I just I cannot love you in the way that you love me show me that love And he becomes one of the heads of the church. Because God could trust him. It wasn't just about little Simon anymore. It wasn't just about, oh, I just want a quick fix with Jesus. He said, Lord, now start to use me. But not out of my own CV. Out of my surrender. Out of my deep cry. Because Jesus removed the deepest shame from Peter. Jesus healed him in so many times. Because just think of what he went through those nights waiting. Now standing on the shore, he realizes it's Jesus. And you think like, I would have been reluctant to run to Jesus. I would just think like, whoa, <laughs> you know. Jesus, no, 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 no. Let's sort out this thing quickly because repent 500 times and, you know. But isn't it amazing how Jesus just has come But once you realize that, because that's the key, that true repentance is out of a brokenness. You begin to realize, I I just can't do it. But Lord, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender. And the moment when that moment happens, then God begins to say, okay. That strong will of yours. You know, if you go here to Betty's Bay and across just before Armonis, there's like these 30 or 40 wild horses running around. How many of you have seen those horses? They're beautiful, but they're useless. It's amazing. It's the most beautiful thing. These wild horses running around, untamed. They just go for it, but they're useless. Why? I got you there. (laughs) Because their will has not been broken in. They've never learned to serve a greater purpose than themselves. They're beautiful. Running around. The mane hairs are blowing all over. I don't know what monarch is, but in any case, that was, they're beautiful. The moon hairs. But there are these moments, you know. And so for all of us, God will take us like he took Simon and he says, I, I, I want to bring that Peter out. And it's difficult for us to surrender. It's difficult for us to humble ourselves. Don't say, Lord, you must, don't, never pray, Lord, humble me. I said it a couple of times. Don't pray that. Say, Lord, I I humble myself. If My people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Repent. Turn from their wicked ways. The lights will go on and there will be no more darkness in their lives. (laughs) You see, but, but it's difficult because we want to have this individuality. We want, we want to be so unique. And the Lord is not so interested in your uniqueness and how blessed you are. He's interested in your surrender. I remember and I, I, I told the testimony this morning, but yesterday it was, it was just so nice at the wedding. I just love it when God's plan comes together. I'm sharing this testimony specifically, because there's some people here tonight that need to say yes again about what God has said over your life. So we were in London and Ireland traveling. I was traveling with Angus, and we did a lot of outreaches. We went by train ride up to the places where the revival happened, and it was just amazing. So we came back to London, Worcestershire, and then in the city of London, we had this big outreach with this pastor, with a couple of hundred people. Angus always tells the story of how there was a he married 12 couples that night in the church that were living in sin. They all repented. We got out the rings. So, okay, now we're going to marry you. You're going to do marriage counseling because stop living in sin, repent. And then we had a whole wedding ceremony after the church. So six hours later, Lydia, we go home. And that night, so he's sitting with this pastor, the poor pastor. He had to do marriage prep now and do all this stuff and get the names. It was just crazy. I just said, thank you, Lord. It's not me, you know, <laughs> because he's got some work to be done now. So, but in any case, it was just this amazing meeting. So that evening, we're sitting with dinner at the dinner table. And the pastor is sharing about his son and his family and just how tough it goes. And that his son is completely confused. He started to walk away from the Lord and all that stuff. And I thought, like, oh, and I'm so tired. I just want to go sleep. And that night I had a dream. I dreamt a dream about that son who was still in high school. I dreamt this dream and I woke up and I thought like, whoa, you know. And I just prayed it. I just prophesied the dream. I didn't even speak to the dad or the mom. Just for three hours I was praying and I was, because I slept in his bed. And he wasn't there. They were away for the weekend. So I just prayed. I just you know, there was no oil to anoint, so I took off to shave. I took shaving foam. I, you know, prayed all over the place. And it was just that place was anointed, I, eh? Everything I could find toothpaste. And no, no, I'm checking, I didn't have toothpaste. But so, so here we're going. This, this, this place was anointed. And, but it was this dream, so I completely forgot about it. About 12 years later, in Bloomerfall, I saw the guy yesterday at the wedding. We're busy praying. There's an altar call. Some people come to the front. And the third or fourth guy in front. As I'm walking and just praying, this guy comes and he stands there. But So I never met this son. I never knew who he was or whatever. So he was standing in front. And so as I wanted to pray, God reminded me of that dream I dreamed. So I just started to pray that dream. And at the end of the dream, I said, like, because the dad really wanted the son to come back and because he's been prodigal son running away from the Lord. The end of the dream, I said to him, you know what, it's just funny, but I had this dream long ago, but have you ever lived in London? He says, yes. My dad is a pastor in London. And tonight I've come back to Jesus. Do you think it's coincidence? Because God's words will remain over your life. You can run all across the world. Sure. Thank the Lord for grandmoms and granddads that pray for you. I mean, how many of you have got granddads and moms and dads and people that pray for you? realize like, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> you know? Run for us, run. The word of the Lord will come to you by day or by night. <laughs> but you see, God will never manipulate or abuse. He always invites. And Peter had to come to this place of just complete surrender. Say, Lord, I, I just can't do it. But remember, Peter, when you return, strengthen the brethren, encourage the church. That's where you start. And so, some of us, we don't know it, but you're part of the key. To humbling yourself is by submitting to one another in the fear of God. It's about learning to love the people in your small group in the local church that you belong to. Before you want to unite all the churches in Stellenbosch first start to serve somewhere. First start to rescue some people. Think of three people that You haven't seen in the last six months and WhatsApp them them this week and say, how are you doing? How can I pray? Because that's where it starts. It prays. Waking up in the night and speaking that dream over that guy that must return or that lady that's walked away from the Lord. You cannot say you love Jesus, but you don't love his pride and are committed to his pride. No, no, but we just float in and out. Yesterday, we had this beautiful wedding Amazing view up in the hills in McGregor. It was awesome. And the bride said, amazingly, because they're outdoor people, low and Danae, she said, I'm going to get married outside. It was wonderful. But it was freezing. (laughs) I had to pray over this half. And once this half has warmed up while I'm preaching, the other half started to shake, you know. I thought, like this, I've never been so cold in my life. But nobody complained because it was so awesome. Because you just want to serve the bride and the bridegroom. It's their day. I've got all the ladies' attention. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> She walks down that aisle. Oh my chuna, you know, the shoulders, you know, everything. I'm thinking, like, just get her a blanket. Oh chuna, she's going to freeze. You know, she's going to fall over. But it was so, so awesome. But we weren't there for the food. Yes, it was very nice, you know. <laughs> but, because um, the guys normally go for the food. But in any case, so the, once I got into deep trouble, I came home. My wife Louise wasn't there because my hobby is doing, doing weddings. I've done over 350 weddings and attended another 90. So, it's what we do. But in any case... So one wedding, my wife Louise couldn't attend, and so I came home and she's like, what did the bride look like? And I'm thinking like, she had a white dress, I said. (laughs) I promise you, I found out she wasn't a white dress, (laughs) but praise God, I'm colorblind, so I could use that, you know? I said, I can't say too much because I don't look at other ladies. I said, you know, so I got out of the, the, the trouble quickly. The Lord is sometimes on your side. Okay, but in any case, that was a word of knowledge. So, um, okay, we're busy, we're busy wrapping up. You cannot say you love Jesus, but you don't love his church. So the devil will set you up to be offended with your small group, be offended in relationships, to isolate yourself. Because I don't like that people. and no, I, you know, no, no, no. But Jesus said, I've seen you walk away, Peter. I've seen you deny all that stuff. But when you return, strengthen your brethren. See, because now suddenly your weakness, suddenly the stuff that you've been going through. And some of you have got really terrible stories. And you think, like, why did God allow this in my life? And no, it's just sin. It's the world. It's the wickedness. It's the brokenness of this world that we live in. And it happens to us. But will you allow that to make you bitter, offended, hardened in heart? Or will you just yield more and say, God, I've discovered your mercy and your grace in my life. And now I want you to begin to use me here. Lord, that that this what, who are you you're so full of pride and insolent in your heart. Then David said, Is there not a cause? And from there he went on against Goliath because he saw how big his God was. And David was like this size. But he had a heart of gold. He had a heart to say, Lord, I'm going to do it in faith, in obedience to you. So God is calling a lot of Peters. the Lord showed me tonight, this Sunday, there's a lot of Peters that must stand up. But there's a lot of Simons that must die. That own self-will, that own desire... Jesus is here and he's going to set you free wow what an amazing moment when Jesus comes you go to the Middle East today most of the people there had a dream of Jesus himself appearing to them we visited a place in Iran and this people told us she was the lady was actually a Muslim imam she came to the Lord and she said one night they she just felt that she had to prepare an extra meal at the table. Now they don't know who Jesus is. They've heard of Jesus as Isa in the in Gospels, the Gospels, which is in the Quran. But they just think he's a prophet. So she was thinking about this Isa and she was thinking about Jesus, this prophet that is just weird. And she felt she had to she had to prepare an extra place at the table for a family, just for food. and people thought like the family was like, "What? So that night, as they go to sit down at the table, there's a knock on the door. And the stranger comes and says, "I'm coming for that place you have prepared." And so she lets him in, and she, they go to sit at the table. They begin, she begins to asking him about this prophet. And then he takes the bread. Breaks the bread. The one who you're searching is me. And he disappears. And she becomes one of the biggest evangelists, preaching about the man with the white robe that has fire in his eyes. The man in the white robe that has fire in his eyes. His name is Jesus. And he's here tonight. And he's asking one thing. I want all of you. Don't just give him five percent. Don't just give him little bits because you, you're fooling yourself. Peter had this struggle, and some of you are having this struggle tonight. And he's not yet to condemn you or shame you, or point you out, say so you're there at the back, in the second row at the back. He says, just come. Come and learn from me, because I'm lowly and I'm humble. Come, will you follow me? I want to make you. Depart from me, Lord. No, come. But repent of those things. Lay down the Simon. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.